Welcome to the Roadmap from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. It is Tuesday, May 30th, and I'm Amanda Harris, joined by Riley Wolfbauer. This is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending May 26, 2023. In general economic news, gross domestic product increased at a 1.3% annualized pace in the first quarter as gross domestic income fell 2.3% during the quarter. The 2.3% decline follows a 3.3% decline in Q4 2022, marking the worst back-to-back declines in gross domestic income since the start of COVID-19. Consumer spending remained strong in the first quarter of 3.8%. Legislators, meanwhile, are working on passing a deal to raise the U.S. debt ceiling as the country has reached its limit. If the debt ceiling is not raised, consumers who rely on government payments, Social Security benefits, Medicare benefits, and government-based salaries, to name just a few, may find it challenging to continue making timely payments on outstanding debt. A pause in government payment is likely to more severely impact subprime borrowers than prime obligors who have savings as a backup, a trend that rings true across all secured and unsecured consumer loans, including auto. However, lender extensions are expected to address any delay in government payments resuming. In electric vehicles, FinTech Spring Free EV is aiming to launch a software-as-a-service option for companies looking to offer similar EV fleet lease programs as the company works to expand its electric vehicle-specific underwriting engine. Spring Free EV purchases and then rents electric vehicles to fleet management companies, charging a monthly fee along with a per-mile fee. The FinTech's underwriting process includes reviewing customer transaction data, such as mileage and number of cars requested, along with basic credit risk evaluations of the business looking to rent the EVs. Meanwhile, we continue coverage of risk management platform Point Predictive's latest auto lending fraud trends report last week, bringing you an update on how the audit industry is being impacted by increasing fraudulent activity. Rising interest rates and inflationary pressures are contributing to an update uptick in early payment defaults in which the borrower stops paying six within six months after getting the loan. This is a problem for lenders to minimize fraud risk because 70% of loans that triggered early defaults were found to have some type of fraudulent information on the application. And many lenders believe early payment defaults are actually an early indicator of fraud that was originally missed. While early payment defaults are pretty rare, they are a growing problem, especially in certain areas of the country known to be hotspots for fraud. Zip code 91755 in Monterey Park, California, for example, had the highest concentration of early payment defaults in 2022 for all areas included in Point Predictive's analysis, which looked at more than 800 zip codes nationwide. It's likely that area has an active fraud ring, and that is partly why they're seeing such a large number of early payment defaults, just because fraud is also high in that area. There are also a ton of other zip codes that are on that list. There are some that we broke out in our story as well to kind of take a look at that to see how it is trending, to kind of see how that's playing out in certain areas. Certain makes and models of cars also carry a higher risk of early payment defaults, often tied to fraudsters trying to target certain vehicles. We see a lot of luxury models on that list, but it could also be due to issues with the cars themselves. Sometimes older vehicles pop up as carrying a high percentage early payment defaults, and it could just be that the car stopped working or there was some other reason that the consumer stopped paying on that loan. So like I said, to be fair, not every loan that defaults in six months is due to fraud. 
Other reasons a, a borrower might stop paying could be a lost job, a health problem, a natural disaster, such as a hurricane destroying the vehicle, so they don't want to keep paying for a vehicle that no longer exists. Still, it's crucial for lenders to have measures in place to weed out potential fraudulent applications that contain forged pay studs, for example, or employment income misrepresentation before funding the deal, since, like we said earlier, a good portion of these early payment defaults are because whoever got the loan lied about something when they applied for it, either did not have the intention to pay it off, or they didn't actually have the income to make those payments, and within six months they stopped doing so. So that's kind of what we're looking at with fraud. Now shifting gears a little bit, uh, Riley, you wrote a story on Friday about what's happening on the repossession side of things. So what is going on there? Yeah, uh, repossession volumes are still down compared to pre-pandemic levels, but they have been rising. Uh, the number of repossessed vehicles that are checked in at auction remains 14% below pre-pandemic levels as recovery agencies are being more selective in the vehicles that they pick up. Um, to start 2023, vehicle recovery requests peaked in January and February, but have come down slightly since March due to tax refunds propping up consumer payments. Um, but once payments are no longer propped up by tax refunds, um, there's an expectation that um, recovery agencies will see an increase in repossession requests, leading to a bottleneck um, in the recovery process, mainly due to a lack of vehicle storage space. Um, storage space is so hard to come by that some recovery agencies had to stop repossessing vehicles on certain nights when levels were extremely high in January and February. Um, it's increasingly becoming a problem for agencies as the cost of land is high and they're competing for large corporations for the land to store the vehicles. So I spoke with uh, Vaughn Clemens, president of the American Recovery Association and uh, Automobile Recovery Bureau, which is based in Houston, and he actually said that he had an agent in Philadelphia that was paying $7,000 a month for his storage space. Then Amazon came in, paid $18,000 for that exact same space. And because the agent missed his um, period of time when he could try to renew his contract or negotiate, he lost his space. Um, so since Amazon came in and paid triple as to what that agency was already paying, there was no way for them to compete. So they just lost their lot and lost their business. Um, so since space is hard to come by, many agencies are now prioritizing reco um, certain recovery requests by lender. Um, Clemens said that his agency is being more selective um, based on recovery rates and um, incentives from uh, lenders. Uh, his agency receives about 375 recover recovery requests per day, but only accepts 150 to 175 because that's what the space on their lot allows, as well as that that's what allows them to make more money because if they accept more requests and go out to try to recover a vehicle, but the vehicle isn't there, they have to go back to their lot and they aren't making money because they didn't come back with the vehicle. So they're wasting the money, the manpower, the gas, all their supply on going to look for a vehicle that's not there. So they're prioritizing the lenders that have a higher recovery rate. Um, 
And as I said, he's also their agency is also looking at lenders of who are applying incentives um, for vehicle pickups. For example, Wells Fargo pays repo agencies a an additional $500 per vehicle incentive to pick up the vehicle. And then there are a few lenders that are doing it as well. There are some lenders that Clemens did not name that are offering $50 to $75 per pickup. And then he also mentioned that to that Toyota has implemented a $400 per month incentive. Um, we reached out to Toyota for them to uh, confirm that's the amount that they are uh, providing to agencies, but they did not confirm. Um, so overall, it really just comes down to agencies are prioritizing ways that they can make money and they're looking for lenders to assist them and be more collaborative in picking up vehicles. So it's a more productive process for everybody. Definitely. Yeah. And by the way, Houston's also a really big area for fraud. That zip code popped up uh, quite a bit. So I can see that being maybe an additional struggle uh, for them, especially if they see numbers go up because of fraud happening. So um, very interesting there. We'll definitely have some more coverage on fraud coming up this week, as well as our magazine feature, which looks at trends from AFS East. So if you want a nice recap from the show, whether you were there or not, uh, stay tuned for that. And again, thank you for joining us on the roadmap. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and we will see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.